So Dan, what have you been up to? What's new in your life? Uh, I've been uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what I'm going to talk about. Oh and yeah, I, I haven't been playing a ton of video games. Oh no, I did commit to 100%ing Slay the Spire. Right. There was an announcement made. <laughs> yes. I specifically made that announcement so I could see how long it would take me from when I decided to do it to actually having it done. Oh, I see. Um, that's, that's why I post about it. But I, I'm having a good run at it. I I beat the heart for the first time, which I'm I'm very happy about. I unlocked that uh Wait, that beta art. The first time ever? Yeah, I've never beaten the heart before. Wait, you've how, wait, how many hours do you have in this game? Hey, it's okay, Dan. If, if, I haven't either. <laughs> well, well, for for anybody who um didn't attend the Community Crossroads event, um, <laughs> I have over uh over well over five hundred hours. I think I have like six hundred fifty hours or something like that. Did you wait? Is it? Did you? I assume you didn't like attempt heart kills the, often. Right. All right. Yeah. So so I when I first started climbing the ascensions, I started or I tried to beat the heart often. Uh, and failed miserably every time. Um, gotcha. And so I kind of just gave up on it, and I was like, you know, I'm not even going to attempt it. So, gotcha. Yeah, so it's, it's not like I've been trying to beat the heart for 600-plus hours. Right. I didn't think um, I didn't think that was true. But this is, this is the first time where I went into uh, the heart, and I was like, yeah, I can do this. This will be fine. Um, like, every other time I even attempted the heart, I was like, ah, this is going to be rough. And what ascension were you on? I was not on any ascension because I was um okay. I was uh trying to get achievements, so I was like I don't need extra gotcha, difficulty gotcha. when okay. I'm doing that. Um I'm caught up. But but even so, like I I've like I said, never beaten the heart before, so I was I was very happy about that. Had I known though that beating the heart unlocked the beta artwork on the Switch, uh I probably <laughs> would have done that a lot sooner. Yeah, I I guess I could have told you that, just in no way would I have thought that you right. hadn't beaten the thought. In that, like, at what, like, again, like, I don't know, I don't know. When I started playing, it took me a little while to start doing Ascension stuff, but even when I started doing Ascension stuff, it was just, like, straight shot to the top and then the white whale of killing the heart at A20, and, like, that was, like, the goal mm-hmm. always. So, obviously, not everyone has the same goals as me. I, yeah, I just I just didn't think about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I fully understand it's not, no, knowing like how many hours I have in the game, I also would not have thought that <laughs> I didn't beat the heart. Um but yeah, I mean it was mostly just for lack of trying than anything else. Right, um, right, right, right. Also, like I honestly think this might be the first like really good deck I've put together. Um Ooh. like I've I've def- maybe I can actually no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back because I've had some really <laughs> good decks in the past. But yeah. this is this is maybe the I would say the best deck I've put together. Um nice. Because it was, I was going for the minimalist achievement, so I had five cards in my deck, um, and so That's it was really easy to just go infinite with that, and yeah. I, I beat every boss in one turn, which was also another achievement I was trying to get. Um, <laughs> That's pretty good. Except, except for the last boss, because it's literally impossible to beat that one in one turn, because it's the one that regenerates, so like I killed it, and yeah. then I had to go into round two, and I killed it again. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it was a really, really good deck. Cool. Cool. I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm happy for you. Yes, <laughs> I'm happy for me too. <laughs> um, the the five card minimum deck size thing to beat, uh, run with, uh, is sort of a really cool achievement. And you're right, it does have this. It's this weird limitation that seems to uh, really set you back in like the kinds of things that you could mm-hmm. do, but. It coincidentally also means that if you do achieve that goal, it tend to 
tends to be like this overpowered combination of right. cards that absolutely wrecks shop. Right. Like I was I was literally unbeatable because I could win right. everything in one turn because I I had the uh bash which gave vulnerable and then I uh I think it's called drop kick which is like if the opponent is vulnerable oh, nice. ga- yep. gain a gain a whatever it's called draw an energy card, or yep. whatever and draw a card. Draw a card, yep. Um so I was just constantly gaining is it energy? I don't remember what it's called. Um, yeah, I think they use constantly the gaining energy and drawing a card, and I only had five cards, which meant I ke- kept drawing drop kick and kept doing it yeah. over and over again. So yeah, I mean it was great. My my only annoyance was I didn't get to transient because I I was I was really hoping because that's a, that's <laughs> another achievement is beat transient before he disappears. That's the dream. Yeah, now the drop kick combos are good uh, with the ironclad. That's a good way to do it. doing it with ironclad. I feel like is less common with. Um, than doing it with like silent or defect or even watcher for that matter um but yeah they all have the potential to do that that's fun that's super yeah. fun oh um, it's nice talking about slay the spire right. i haven't played it in forever at this point yeah i've been playing it a lot on multiple machines right now um because oh i have it on my computer and my switch and so I, my switch is where i'm trying to get all the achievements and then my computer is the one that i play when i'm bored at places i maybe i'm not supposed to play video games at <laughs> um <laughs> I also tried uh, co-op on Tiny Tina's. That's that's something new that I did since our last recording. Yes, Tiny Tina's. Um, I've tried I've tried both. Oh yeah. I've tried both kinds of co-op, uh, local and uh, you know not local. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I have to pres- I have to say I definitely prefer the internet version. Um, playing with somebody who's not physically mm. in the room with me, uh, because my screen doesn't look any different um it's it's literally <laughs> it's literally like the same game it's just like if i turn around there's another person there and when i'm playing local it's split screen obviously but also not split screen in the way i expected it. it it's split i'm playing on the top half of the screen and the other person's on the bottom half of the screen as opposed to like left mm-hmm. and right um and i do not like that uh mm. it's also harder to to look at like i have that issue i've had with first person shooter games in the past where like it i started like getting a little bit of a headache and i was like Mm -hmm. i need need the bigger screen when i'm playing it i think um so i don't know if that's something that i'm gonna seriously pursue unless uh because my my wife actually asked to try the co-op um which she is not usually interested in video games um so if she decides she likes it and wants to keep playing then i'll do it but I, it's, it's. I don't think it's going to be something that I'm going to push. I remember in days of yore when they, uh, the games would let you choose how you wanted to split your screen. Uh, <laughs> split screen. I wonder if there's an option. I didn't really look in the options. Maybe, maybe that's there. It, it, it would be, it would be great if there was. Uh, but also, it's like, yeah, I just, it's, we, we've come so far from the days of, like four player golden eye on a 10 inch screen <laughs> yeah. yeah so you get like four yeah <laughs> three or four inches of screen <laughs> um it's certainly a change for the better but uh, i guess i just need a bigger tv i guess you just need a bigger tv on <laughs> <laughs> honestly though this is this was one of my primary complaints when the switch came out because i was one of the rare Wii U owners in the entire world. And one of my common use cases for the Wii U was playing Hyrule Warriors. Uh, not the new one, I guess. It's the, the original Hyrule Warriors that originally came out on Wii U. 
um, with a friend of mine. And we probably put upwards of like 200 hours into that game, all co-op together. And the nice thing that the Wii U can do that the Switch cannot, even if you have two Switches for some reason, I think. Actually, I have to double check that. I haven't thought about this in a while. But the thing that you can do with one copy of the game and one Wii U is one person can play on the TV and the other person can play on the handheld screen, which is, you know, just like playing on like a handheld Switch, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, Dan, I think to your point, it's much better having the handheld screen that is all yours, in my opinion, than having a larger screen that's split in half. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also also like the thing I struggle with, and and you know this is nothing specific to this game. It would be in any co- local co op. Um, is like I get distracted by what's happening on the other person's screen, um, and mm-hmm. that I, I I really struggle to stay focused on my half of the of the screen. <laughs> Classic uh, s- screen cheating in yeah. our Goldeneye example. <laughs> <laughs> it was always illegal in home games to look at the other person's screen. You know on the same right. screen as yours. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can't look. You know, if we're talking about split screen, uh, something that I, I do want to bring up because I, I think it's just a wonderful piece of PlayStation history is that um, about uh, about a, uh, over a decade ago now, uh, Sony made a PlayStation display. They they made a little TV, a little HD TV mm. that was supposed to be made for the PS3. Mm-hmm. And the primary reason for this is because 3D was popular at the time and all the 3D TVs were extremely expensive and extremely big and there was no like, you know, affordable like 3D TV, but the PS3 could play in 3D and so they wanted to, you know, let more average players take advantage of that feature. But anyway, so so they made this little TV and it was and and it and it had 3D and it had glasses. But the most interesting thing about this product was that they came up with something called SimulView. I think it was called SimulView. I'll have to look it up later. But what it did was because of how 3D works is using the glasses, basically like it flashes the left eye and then it flashes the right eye and it alternates. And that, like that's how it shows you the 3D image. And so they said, well, what if we did that now that we can flash two images that are separate to people with the glasses on? What if we just flash two 2D images that were totally different? And so they give so you can have two player local co-op on that display and one player effectively like gets the left eye and one gets the right eye copied to both eyes. So it's like it flashes player one, player two, player one, player two. And so both of the split screen players get the whole screen hmm. to look at simultaneously while they're playing i thought that was such a cool idea that is cool and it never like you know because 3d went out of fashion uh and the hardware wasn't there anymore it you know and also split screen games like generally went out of fashion. they're coming back a little bit but like they that like like they've generally gone out of fashion but i always like to bring it up whenever we talk about split screen because i'm like man that was such a cool idea (laughs) um see i want to try it was an almost like nintendo like like Mm -hmm. interesting hardware idea like Mm. we're gonna take this existing hardware and use it in this different way yeah it's like very wildly different and creative uh hardware technology See that yeah, I would that's the kind of thing I would love to try on stream or something. That sounds mm-hmm. like that sounds a cool thing to experience. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll see what the future holds. I do have an old PlayStation display in storage. <laughs> Step <laughs> so, 1. We just have to set it up. Um and I I have a place and I have a PlayStation 3. 
Just got to get the display. That's right. I still also have my PlayStation 3. <laughs> I'm surprised. Actually, you know what, Dan? I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm surprised you still have your PlayStation 3. That's of a good course. Point. It's a piece of history. Of, Why would I get rid course, of it? Of course, Tony. What a silly because... question. Dan not throwing something out that he doesn't use. I still have my Game Boy Color, too, and my N64. <laughs> I, I just I, I think this is interesting because from, from what I know of you, you tend to not be very nostalgic about, like, physical things. But video games are an exception. Honestly, I think it's video game consoles are an exception. Because um, mm. I, I, I don't have a ton of old games to go with them. I, I have a couple. I've, I have saved, like, one or two of like my top my favorite games i couldn't i couldn't remember which ones they are offhand because i also stored the games with the playstation since i'm not really playing them right now um but yeah i, I i've saved every console i've ever owned i'm pretty sure because like it's cool wow. i mean you know it's old it's old old technology i like it <laughs> i mean i do that too but i save all kinds of crap so. yeah <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't really it's save a whole lot. Right, the, the point is about you dan that's the point here <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's 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 cool. It's one of those things that like I could picture myself looking back on in you know fifty years and being like, well, oh, remember the Game Boy Color back in my day? Uh. <laughs> you're just you're just preparing to be an old man. That's exactly. what's happening. Here. I've, I've I've been an old man since I was born, and I'm I've been preparing for when my body catches up to my mind. <laughs> right, that's... right. Isn't that what we're always doing? <laughs> that's all that's happening here. Nothing else to see. Yeah, when I was a uh, when I was a kid, technically the first video game console that I played at home was an Atari twenty six hundred. Nice that my that my dad had from the old days of when it was new, and he just like saved it. And uh, once he, <laughs> I don't I don't know what what brought it up, but like he took it out and was like, "Hey, let's try this thing." And I was, I was like, "Wow, this is this is amazing," but. uh but yeah, definitely. I could I could definitely say like I I feel like I want to save these things for my own nostalgic reasons, but um I don't know who in the future I might want to introduce. Yeah, it's, it's going to it's going to be the same thing, right? Like it, it, if I ever have a kid, they'll they'll their friends will be going into the metaverse and they'll just be like, "But Smash Brothers on the N64. Let's do it." <laughs> right. No internet connection. <laughs> Local co-op only. <laughs> Speaking of N64, Hey, congratulations on episode 64 of Pixel Noise. We did hey. it. Hey, it's it's Pixel Noise 64. We finally we finally achieved 64 bit. I hope you can hear the difference <laughs> in the audio fidelity. Yeah, we, we we finally made it. This is the episode that all podcasts look forward to because 64 is such a celebrated number in our culture, mostly because <laughs> of the Nintendo 64. <laughs> Not to discount other great uses of the number 64, like a chessboard has 64 uh, squares on it. Um, the the Beatles have a song. <laughs> the Beatles have a song about being 64 <laughs> called When I'm 64. So this is Minecraft. So, mine, Minecraft. Absolutely. <laughs> Minecraft, the most important movie of our generation, uh, uses uh, 64 stacks of items in it. Um, so yeah, congratulations people. And I'm, I'm very proud of the, of the, the, um, the journey that got us here today. I think that sounds good, right? Let's say we'll fix it in post, but yeah, good yeah. job, everyone. Good job. And if you want to hear the next 64, patreon.com slash pixel noise FM. <laughs> oh man. You can hear the episode early and unedited. Alex swears a lot. I don't, what do you, <laughs> I do, I, I, 
do swear <laughs> an average amount. <laughs> I haven't counted, but anecdotally, it seems like you swear the most. <laughs> yeah, my 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 swearing has certainly gone down in the past few years. Like I I used to swear a lot. <laughs> And, you know, over the course of my teaching career where I've had to censor my vocab at work for, you know, eight plus hours a day, it sort of bled over into my personal life. And I'm like, I just don't curse that much anymore unless it's like unless I really need to emphasize something like if something's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they get you. That one wasn't even me. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you guys think episode 128 of the Pixel Noise podcast is going to be like? What do you think is going to happen? Virtual reality. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to have It's going to have <laughs> twice as much RAM. It's going <laughs> to It's going to be overclocked. It's going to be water cooled. Uh, it's It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to see what we do with it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> You're going to love it. Look, if you subscribe now, you'll going to love it. <laughs> see episode 64 come out in at this rate, what? 3 years, something like that. That's our timetable. Uh, yeah, I I have no idea where we're going to be on episode 128. Um do we think we'll make will will the Pixelways podcast die before episode 128? patreon.com yeah, I, think, I think that depends who goes to patreon right now and give us your money as, as kojima said tomorrow is in your hands That's true <laughs> yeah how dependent on that patreon episode 128 is yeah that's a good that's a good way to put it <laughs> listener that's really what we're talking about here and that's everything that I prepared for today's episode. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely going to need some more money because, um, Segway, I've been playing a lot of board games, and board games are crazy yeah. expensive. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, hang on. So much How, money. Hold on. Hold on. How expensive are they, Dan? Um, I mean, it depends on the game. I mean, I've bought games for like 20 bucks, and I've also bought a game that was like, 80 bucks for a board game which seems like a lot but i also get it like i'm not complaining i understand right right, but but like they're the price of a video game right yeah but but unlike a video game like a video game i can sit on my couch and play for hours on end a board Mm. game first of all is not gonna play as long as a video game plays and second of all you usually have to have somebody else willing to play it with you so for me what that entails is my wife and I, who are both very tired people, um, finding <laughs> what little free time we manage to have in a day and saying we would like to devote this free time to playing a board game. So it's it, <sighs> it, it, it takes a lot more effort to to play the game than it does a video game. Hmm. So we're assigning value. Yeah. Well. To well board so games. sorry. Yes, that's what I was getting at. So like, so like, right. If you tell me a video game is eighty dollars versus a board game is eighty dollars. I'm less likely to think the video game is outrageously expensive because it's it's pro- if it's good and if I like it, it's going to last me, you know, tens of hours or more depending on the game um, versus like a board game, which, you know, I'll play best case scenario like once or twice a month at this rate for like a couple of hours. <sighs> Counterpoints. Mm-hmm. How many games do you video games do you own that you've paid for that you have zero hours in? 
well, none, because I return the ones I don't like, and even those I play for like an hour at least. Okay. That I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that it that doesn't uh track with my experience of talking to people because I own a lot of video games that I have put zero hours into. Yeah, see I definitely yeah. don't. Like I if if I am buying a new video game, it's one of two reasons. One, I have nothing else to play and I'm just looking for something. Um, in which case I might buy four or five games that look kind of interesting and try them out. Um, or it's like a game I've been waiting for. Like it's a, it's a new thing in a series or it's a game that mm -hmm. looks really interesting that I've like put on my, my list to like watch for it to be released or pre-ordered or whatever. But like, it's very, very rare that like I'm in the middle of a game that I'm really enjoying and playing all the time. And another game comes out that I just buy and like put it on my counter until it's ready. Um, more often than not, I'll say I'm just not going to buy that game until I'm ready to play it. Yeah, Dan's primarily a console gamer. He's not one of these PC gamers that gets suckered into Steam sales all the time like me. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. This is how console gamers interact with games. Right. There, There is that. Although, 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 although I officially, officially have downloaded officially. Steam like for real. I've downloaded Steam in the past and then like used it once and deleted it. But like right. oh uh, that's gosh. happened a few times. But I've I've kept Steam on my computer. I now have three games in my Steam library, um, which actually reminded me Ooh. I have played other games that I totally forgot about that. Wow. Um. So can I just can I just yeah. say really quickly? It feels like we might get canceled by our audience if we said that a third of us didn't even own steam like that well, feels I've, had like an, I've had an account for many years i just never really used it man like like so actually i have four games so the 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 okay, game that, i don't even, i don't right. even remember downloading this one it was there when i pulled up steam like last week for the first it, time again. it happened so quickly i know i know <laughs> this feeling very well um but apparently i have no man's sky downloaded for some reason i don't <laughs> even know reason. why because it doesn't say it's available on mac um it is i'm pretty sure it is okay so i don't know but i guess yeah. i must have downloaded it at some point because i oh yeah because i've unlocked seven achievements apparently um <laughs> but yeah I've, i have See, no recollection of that back back in the day i was really into playing back when we were roommates actually i was really into playing no man's sky on my mac and i did that quite a lot mm. so i might have like talked to you yeah probably i mean that was also one of those games that like i was anxiously awaiting like that was so it's possible that like maybe i don't remember i could i'm making this up but maybe it, did it come out on computer first and i just downloaded it for that reason i don't remember i have to look that i up. mean it yeah, also doesn't I, really I matter but um the other games i have in my library are slay the spire surprise okay. <laughs> surprise surprise uh i downloaded a demo for a game called peglin um yeah which is actually it's actually kind of fun um it's not a great game but it, it's enjoyable um if you've ever played, uh, where uh, what's it called? Um, edit, edit this out. Make me sound smart. I totally will. Um, I have to look not smart. Yep, I'll get right on that. I wonder how big my Steam library is. Figure this out. I bought a game a week ago that I haven't played yet. Like I, I, I did it again, and I told myself I'd stop doing it. Like I'm just, I'm just a liar. I'm, I'm a big fat liar. So I can't, I can't find the name of the Frankie game. Frankie Munoz movie. Um, but it's a it's a combination of that game that you like. It's like at arcades sometimes where you like drop a coin in and it like plunks down, uh, and there's like pegs that it go. You know what I'm trying to say? 
Pachinko. Yeah. Pachinko. Yeah. It's it's kind of like that, mixed with uh, mixed with Slay the Spire, kind of. <laughs> um, <laughs> because you're not you're not dropping. It, it is it is a roguelike. First of all, it's a spire <laughs> like roguelike pachinko machine. I'm yep. sold. I'm ready. Uh, right. It, that, that, that's what sold me. I'm like, this sounds hilarious. I love it. Um, <laughs> but so you're not dropping coins. You're dropping uh, orbs. Um, it's also less like dropping more like that, like a bubble burst type of game. But the bubbles are below you. Um, so it's sort of a mix of that. Uh, uh, OK. And all the orbs have different powers. Um so you build up your, quote, deck of uh, orbs. Um, you can also get relics, like in Slay the Spire, um, and you can choose the path, like in Slay the Spire. Um, and it's it's an interesting game. It's not going to take over my life like Slay the Spire did, mostly because there's too much chance in it, um, because okay. you're, you are, like, shooting a, an orb like you do in those, like, bubble burst games, and, like, sometimes it just doesn't quite go the way you want it to go. Um, and I, I don't enjoy games that rely on chance that much. Uh, but... But it, but it's it's enjoyable. It it it's it's a it's a good time waster. I think. See, Dan must have made a new Steam account because the Dan that I'm friends with on Steam hasn't <laughs> logged in in one thousand five hundred eighty five days. Oh, well, that's how long I've had my Steam account. <laughs> I guess. Um, I'm I I must have. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna friend you. Is it your normal username? Uh, yep. Okay. Are you, is it? Are you sure you're just like not online? Because that I should be I mean, online should um you can you can appear you can like show yourself as offline even if you log no i don't i don't think so um i think i I, probably created a new account i i I think i think he's just offline that's that's (laughs) the last well no actually because i think that because the last game he played was american truck simulator on january 9th 2018 damn i have no recollection of that either (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you've got all right let's go through let's go through dan's actual history we've got oh my American gosh. truck simulator we <laughs> Whoa, got portal yes. 2 we got civilization Ooh, 5 there we go. <laughs> uh that's it yeah you have 13 <laughs> games on this other account oh my gosh i have to go log into that okay i <laughs> <laughs> we just found 13 I might games be, um, of yours. i might be not spelling your username correctly but you didn't come up i'm gonna post my my invite code in the in the super secret cool this is a great time for this right (laughs) yeah this is an excellent time well i'll plug my own steam because people if people listen to the show like we can be friends Uh, my steam name is tony pixel noise i don't know that's not what i searched it used it used to be my old screen name but i changed it that that's that's probably the one i searched for um can i change my name is that possible you can because i want to a lot of paperwork This is a great <laughs> podcast. I've I've been pronouncing it D rib. It's D W R I B. Yeah, um, D rib. I remember that. Yeah, D rib. Hell yeah. <laughs> by by the time this premieres, that'll be my username on Steam. <laughs> oh, but the the last thing I want to say about Steam is the the last game that I have downloaded is one that uh, Tony linked me to, which is uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance Two. Hey, um, <laughs> the original? The uh, well, it's on Steam. I think the original was on PlayStation Two, uh, but they ported it. But they PC. ported it. Yeah, I haven't gotten too far into it. I've, I've like done the intro basically. Uh, the graphics are just terrible, and I love it. It's it's exactly wow. it's exactly just as terrible as you would think a PlayStation Two game would look. So that that's that's always fun. Um. But it's, you know, it seems to be a pretty faithful port from what I've done so far. 
Uh, but you know, we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and log a few more hours into it just to see if it is still as good as I remember it being. That's that's good to hear because uh, I've b- because of your interest in this game, I was interested to try this game, and if the Steam version is uh, fairly representative, then uh, I'll do it that way. Cause that's yeah, go easier. for it. Um, but yeah, board games that I that I've played. Uh, while we're, while we're just Ooh, back to board games. games. Board games. Okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Um, I've played a few. Uh, so. One that I played... Oh, you know, I gotta pause because there's a giant siren. God damn it. Woo! <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's just a woman outside luring you to jump <laughs> out the window. <laughs> oh, so you have been to my She's job. She's enormous! <laughs> all of a sudden, there's all these rocks that are just right. below outside your window. It's like, where do these rocks come from? <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of pirate bodies littered among them. <laughs> all right, so... Board games that I play. <laughs> um, Topics. Uh, so I don't remember if I have. I don't remember how far back I have to go as far as like what I've talked about in the past. Did I talk about Doomlings last time? Let's assume you talked about so. nothing because I don't okay. remember. So uh, Doomlings is a game that I got. Um, it is a uh, kind of, I guess resource management card game um basically you're playing through three uh three eras um and you're basically building a species um so you can play like a like a card that's like i have horns now or i'm super cute now um it's it's a very fun game um i've i enjoy it it's short too it takes like 20 minutes to play and it basically you play through uh like i said three three eras um and they each have their own like special rule um and you keep flipping eras until you get to um a catastrophe which then signals uh it's the next era and then you so you do that three times and the final catastrophe is world's end and then whichever uh player has the most points which like each each feature you add to your species either t- adds or takes away points uh, you count up all the points, and whoever has the most points wins. It's a pretty, pretty simple game. It's, but it's fun. How wonderfully existential! Yeah, it's very colorful. I'm looking at pictures. Yeah, of it. and I bought like the gold box, which is like the best one. I have to say, it's very, very well made. I, I like um, just even the box is just like very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like gold. I, I like and a good box. Rainbows. <laughs> I, is it? Is it like? Is it foiled? Like, is it shiny yeah. or is it just colorful? No, it's shiny. Oh, that's it's great. Cool. Um, so yeah, that that's that's one um, I had pre-ordered that I got that from their Kickstarter actually, and I got uh, a playmat because of that, and that's I found very helpful. I, I like the playmat. Um, oh, the playmat looks good too. Yeah, a lot of good uh, graphic design. Yeah, in this one. Uh, speaking of good design, I have to say, like you know, I'm I'm new I'm new to board games. You know, I've played them off and on for a while. You know, we we played a we've played in the past the three of us. Um, but like I'm new to like actually seriously buying and liking board games so take this with a grain of salt but this may be like just the the as far as aesthetics and quality i think this one might be like the best game i've seen it's called uh fog of love yeah monopoly um (laughs) fog of fog of love it is a two-player uh game uh the tagline is it's a romantic comedy but a board game um what and Mm -hmm. It's it's literally that you are playing as a as a new couple, 
uh, and you play through the relationship uh, by playing different cards um, and making different decisions. Uh, and like you can get bonus points if you agree on certain stuff. So like if you put a, if you like put a card down, it's like both players choose one. And then there's like a token that you choose it on and you flip it over. And if you both choose the cha- same choice, like that's a, a bonus point in your relationship or something like that. It, it's adorable. it's very fun. We only played the tutorial, which was like, uh, it was like the, the, <laughs> Wait, the board game has a tutorial. Yeah. Yeah. Actually it that's does. That's unprecedented, so right? It's, I, 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 crazy? I really liked it and I'll get to why I'm very happy with that in okay. a second. Um, but yeah, so, so it's a bunch of different decks of cards. Um, and it literally was like you flip over the first card in the deck and it's like, okay, do this, 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 and that. And then you do it and then it's like, okay, now play around. And and it, it counted it out specifically. So like the amount of cards you draw was just enough for a round. And then when you pick up the next card in the deck, it's the next card with the next thing to do that like teaches you mm-hmm. the rules. Um, and I was like, this is a really cool t- way to teach people how to play a board game because you're actually just playing the game. And I like that a lot better than having to read through a dense uh, instruction manual. So it was, it was mostly the same as playing the game, but with like a stacked deck. Uh, no, the, so I don't. Well, I don't know how stacked the deck was. I guess I guess it was stacked. I don't. I, I guess I don't know how much thought they put into that aspect okay. of it. But it was a very low stakes game. Like the one thing it did say that was different than like the main game was the couples not allowed to break up. <laughs> which i guess is like a thing that can happen um oh man i really want to play this game it's this it was amazing it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it um and and it, as i was saying it was like it's very pretty i really liked the the board um the cards were nice there was tokens that were really nice um just like the aesthetics of everything it was a really cool game i mean yeah the but the but looking at the box it has this like very simple but shiny apple sort of aesthetic to it that's very mm-hmm. um uh very professional looking <laughs> yeah there's some nice graphic design in this i notice i'm seeing here that it comes in three versions uh i don't know uh, which might just be it it might just be differences in the cover but i do wonder if the game is any different there is the male slash female version the female slash female version and the male slash male version huh. I didn't know that. They all have different covers. I'm going to assume that it's probably the same game and with just different colors, but or covers, I mean, but I don't know. Live follow-up, there's also the diversity version, which I don't entirely know what that means, but it does uh, present one of the two uh, people on the cover as in a wheelchair is the only difference from the others. Huh. this is probably the greatest board game ever invented, is my current <laughs> assumption. Three expansion packs, the It Will Never Last, the Paranormal Romance, Ooh. and the Trouble oh, with wait, In-Laws. Paranormal? I'm buying that this second. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> what? The it Will Never Last expansion? Yeah, isn't that right. an oxymoron? Hold on. <laughs> what is this? Maybe that's hard. Maybe that's the hard mode. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh my god, I'm crying. I'm I'm oh, actually shit. buying that paranormal expansion <laughs> this second. That that is outstanding. Oh yeah. Fifteen bucks, easy, easy. Easy <laughs> easiest fifteen bucks ever spent. Um but yeah, so that that was a lot of fun. Um I definitely want to play that more and play through like the non tutorial rounds. I just found an article called Playing Fog of Love Made Me and My Husband's Breakup. I saw that one oh, too. Oh my god. <laughs> This is incredible. 
Yeah, that's actually something that the instructions talk about numerous times, which is like, you are, first of all, it says you are not allowed to name your characters your actual names. It's like, it talks about like several times. It says like, you have to, uh, no pun intended, divorce yourself from the game. Um, (laughs) Like, you cannot put yourself into these characters because like there are, like I said, breakups and stuff like that. And so like it could get really real. Oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Wait, so, so, so just to clarify, you played this with your wife, correct? Correct. Okay, amazing. Uh, you, I assume you two are still together. Unless, there's, there's no, like, I think so. Let me check. Yeah, double yeah. G. Yeah, go ask her really quick, please. <laughs> I better go figure this one out. <laughs> Let's see you guys. I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was it was fun. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So I definitely recommend that Putting one. This on my wish list. And I picked that one up randomly. We were at Barnes and Noble, and uh. <laughs> I saw it, and it, it was already on my like list of stuff that I was interested in, so I, ha- I had heard of it already. Uh, found it on TikTok, because I follow some board game people. Um, but uh, I knew you could ruin the story somehow. Yep. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw it, and I was like, yeah, let's, let's just do it, because because there was already another game. We ha- Oh, we haven't played this one yet, but S- Sydney had picked up uh, another game that she saw on TikTok that she really wanted to try that I also thought was really interesting. We haven't played it yet, so I don't have any thoughts on it, but um games called side effects uh but uh she was like i'll buy this game if you buy fog of love and i'm like that's fair <laughs> let's do it <laughs> um but si- side effects sounds really interesting i'm hope i'm sure we'll have played it by the time our next recording comes around uh and so i won't talk too much about that right now but <laughs> this is a great that side effects is a great name for a board game cuz i feel like i can already imagine it's like oh yeah there's like a laundry list of like side effects are sort of a meme on just medicine and things yeah it's it's a game where you you about like it has like it's all around like mental illness and like the medications used to treat them and stuff like that um <laughs> so it seems really really interesting and could be very fun but uh, we haven't played it yet so i don't know yet oh. um but yeah, so we picked it up, and then that, that was a fun day because we realized that um, both of us forgot our keys, and so we had to, uh, uh, and and my sister-in-law had the spare keys, and she works downtown and was at work, um, so we had to <laughs> take the board game in the rain-ish. It wasn't raining yet, actually. It rained after, Perfect. but uh, took the board game downtown, had a whole thing. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, cool. um, and then the, the last game that I played, uh, which I would assume you two probably have heard of, is uh, Llamas Unleashed. No. Nope. No, really? Okay. I've been, I, it, there's been a quarantine. I've been out of the board game scene. Oh my for a gosh. Bit. <laughs> you have to play one. If there if there's one game I'm talking about that you're gonna buy, this one. It's very fun. Um, it Llamas Unleashed is the one? Oh my god, yeah. It's it's oh hilarious. God. I love it. It's so much fun. Um we we had a blast playing that one. We we played it with uh, a couple of friends of ours and then we bought our own copy because we enjoyed it so much. Um mm. But it's a, it's another, I guess I, I, it's so hard. I'm, I'm finding it very difficult to classify board games, um, maybe more so than some video games. Uh, but I guess I would call this like another hand management resource management game, um, where your goal is to get like seven animals in play at once or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. and different, different animals have different effects and it's 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 a very funny game and i i highly recommend it see i'm i'm more skeptical of this game but mo- mostly because you recommended it <laughs> but also 
because it just looks like and it reminds me of exploding kittens and i didn't love exploding kittens it might that was be like a the, very popular is it by the one. same people it might be uh I, I i could try and find that um but i mean all all of these all of these sound like games i would like to try and i absolutely agree that i would love to uh man just have the opportunity to play more board games like that's yeah. really all i need and, and see that's sort of what i'm talking about right like it's you 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 don't always have the opportunity right so like unlike a video game you can sit down and just play but with board games it's but i like harder. board games more than video games yeah. hot take llama's unleashed card game from the creators of unstable unicorns unstable unicorns. unstable unicorns that's what i was thinking of not exploding uh, kittens or whatever which i have not played farmed and dangerous expansion pack <laughs> so when are we coming over dan <laughs> uh, let's do it when, when do you want to come over <laughs> <laughs> I'm free in July. We'll talk. Same. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, unironically though, because no, so no, July will be great. Like July first, honestly, but like still July. Yeah, I'm looking through my calendar right now. I literally have like no time. Although I did take <laughs> two days off in June because my boss made me. What? <laughs> What's that about? He because wow. I, I he's he, we we were talking about how burnt out I was getting, and he asked me when was the last time I planned a day off and didn't take one um as a reaction to something, uh, and I was like pretty much never, like I don't think I've ever been like I'm just not gonna go to work like two months from now, and that's just for fun. Uh, so I took I took two days off mm. in June. Uh, huh. just, just to, just to do nothing. That feels very thoughtful and forward thinking of your boss. Yeah. And, and there's genuinely no ulterior motive because like the, they've, they used to buy back. Well, right. Well, they, 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 they used to buy back days off and they don't do that anymore. So he's like, you ha you, you lose them or you, you use them or you lose them. So he's like, you, right. should, you should use them. Right. It's ultimately better if they don't have that incentive to not use your days. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, yeah, this this boss wants to retain you, and so they're trying to not get you burned out. Yeah, <laughs> is the motivation I think. Yeah, <laughs> um, we had we had a, a a decent conversation around that, uh, and it does sound like he's trying to retain me. <laughs> <laughs> He's well, doing his job. That's good. <laughs> that, that, I mean, wanting to retain you sounds synonymous with like rewarding you for doing good. Like right, those those are yeah. synonymous. Like they can't, you can't. Those are correl correlated at worst, right? My my, re I I need no verbal reward. It's fine. My reward will come in the in the form of my <laughs> raise at the end of the year. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, days off in lieu of money. That yeah. That's that's yeah. That, okay. Yeah. That's well, because like in in the past they used to buy back our our days, and I wouldn't use them because I was like, hey, I would love to get that money. Um, right. And like I don't usually. Uh, before this year, I didn't have day. I didn't have times where I was like burning out, so I was like, I can just go through the year and it's fine. Uh, but this year there were there were a few times as I think I've I've definitely told you both. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or if it made it into the recording or whatnot. But like you know, there there were days where I really. I didn't make it through those days. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's my, uh, that's what well, I got to do. I got to just relax. Well, you and Tony, unlike you and me, Dan, you two are actually friends. So you two actually like <laughs> talk to each other outside of the podcast. <laughs> uh, despite being one of the people I talk to the most, Dan, this is the only time I talk to you. <laughs> 
by yeah. number of hours. It just right. all happens to be in a specific venue and recorded. Right. It's all recorded <laughs> for the public to hear. Exactly. Every single one of our reactions. Just like all best friends do. <laughs> just like all best friends. It's all scientifically analyzed under a microscope. Yep. <laughs> Um, but no, I think I think I'm pretty sure I mentioned that on on here or well on 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 a Discord. Yeah, call. I think so. <laughs> I was definitely in Discord when it came up. I can confirm. <laughs> Craig knows. I'm sure Craig remembers. Exactly. Well, that's Craig. definitely on the call. Craig remembers. Unironically, I look forward this summer to um, maybe seeing you in person yeah. because we haven't seen each I other know, since before the pandemic. It's been a very long time. Yeah. So I'd love to work that out. I want the audience to know I'm not involved in this conversation. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, getting to a space where I feel more comfortable, like traveling to places. Um, so, you know, I think that can definitely work out now. Was the last time we were together in person when we played Parsley, when you came over to my place all those years ago? I don't remember. Parsley, fun book of text adventures. Link in the show notes. Yeah, Parsley's good. That's a great episode, guys. <laughs> I think we, we literally played Flaming Goat, right? Yeah, we played yeah. Flaming Goat, yeah. and I think we did another one. I we did a, we did a Spooky was. Town one. Um, no, no, but we played Flaming Goat like on recording. I oh, think, oh that's we? right. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. We enjoyed Parsley so much. You're like, we got to share this with the masses. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, you could have predicted our Dungeons and Dragons enthusiasm. Oh my over god! Time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that I I now realize about these about these text adventures is that they are the gateway drug to mm-hmm. a, a more full role playing games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've seen that happen uh, multiple times. <laughs> Man, I'm almost out of Dungeons and Dragons. Our campaign finished. My my Strahd campaign is about to wrap up. Got to figure something You're out. Out of dragons. Uh, what are you doing Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, not Sunday? tomorrow next one next one oh, next one. i was gonna say actually tomorrow is my grandparents 95th birthday so i will be uh hey congrats. i will wait, be visiting both, wait, them. both of them uh one of them but they but both of them was this month so next next okay. one is, tomorrow is their party um one of okay. them actually has a birthday tomorrow the other one had a birthday about two weeks ago uh, okay, but they, enough. but they, they're they're literally two weeks apart, the same age. It's it's adorable. They've been they've been uh-huh. together for like sixty plus years. Amazing uh, goals. <laughs> um, but yes, but but yeah, uh, two a week from tomorrow. Um, yeah, a week from tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious. probably, probably just, playing you know. some D and D would be my guess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, no, my my other campaign usually meets on on Sunday, so I don't know. Um, uh, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, okay. Understand. But you know, we don't, we don't have to. If you got, if you got other plans, let me know. We can move some stuff. Okay, we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> we just, we just, just, just don't tell them. We'll just edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go next Sunday because I have a graduation <laughs> to go to. So there you go. <laughs> Who needs them? <laughs> oh, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> well <laughs> God. To, to our um to our podcast subscribers, comment in the chat if you can make it next Sunday. Yeah, if you can be yeah. there. Next Sunday. So, all, right, all right, I'm just gonna talk about it because now it's the first thing on my mind. I have been toying around. So we finished up playing uh, an Ice Spire Peak campaign, uh, and uh, that was uh, with a group of five plus DM, and uh, we did not replace that with anything. So that just like opened up a block. 
um, which immediately got filled with other things, at least for me personally. Um, but my problem is that I spy for, for me, just to, I'm going to talk about myself and be really <laughs> selfish for a second. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons for like two or three months when I started DMing I Spire Peak. And I had a lot of not fully formed ideas about how rules and how the game works and should be run. And I there were some precedents that I set in that game that I stuck to and I eventually like disagreed with on myself. So I really uh, I have a lot more like ideas and uh, uh, mechanics and things that I want to try um, that I didn't really have a good opportunity to do as much of those things as I would have liked to in that previous campaign. So what I what I what I really want to do <laughs> is I want to do some one shots, and uh, it's funny I can talk about the one shot I'm planning to do next Sunday because. This episode's not going out before then, <laughs> um, but I I won't go into too much detail if we can make something work. I will say, um, it's a very exciting one shot with an idea that uh, um, uh, playing with like power levels and it's gonna be run in the Feywild and it's all for the sake of like I just there's so many uh mechanical things that i need to experiment with and that's the whole focus of it like i'm just isolating those few mechanics and building a one shot around those which by the way is a really helpful way to build a one shot is just I choosing bet, a mechanic yeah. and building around that um so hopefully there'll be more follow-up um about so Dungeons and Dragons. What mechanic or is that too spoilery uh, um and, uh, I, I can uh <laughs> There's a couple of players that I know who I've never played D&D before that have been wanting to. So the thing that I've told them in preparation uh, for that game is, is um, uh, I've told them to uh, build a character and play with a character that you don't feel too attached to. <laughs> That's been my okay. advice to wow. them. <laughs> um, it's, it's playing with uh, power levels. I don't... I feel like if I say I'm playing with like dying mechanics, that's really like present, like that's really leading the witness a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I'm just you know, there's there's things I want to try about um, obstacles for the players. I'll put it that cool. way. So uh, it sounds then that you like DMing. Is that fair to say? Uh, <laughs> I had a uh, so I am playing in a game right now. And I had this moment the other day where I wanted to do something and the DM did allow it. And I was just like, I hate being a player. I want to DM, <laughs> and, uh, which is just like unheard of by most D&D players. Um, ultimately, I still I'm going to stick to the answer I think I've given before, which is I like playing and DMing about 50 50. Okay. Um, I never want to do one uh, for the rest of my life. Um, I would perpetually like to keep doing both. Um, because they are, they both, they're both so different to me, mm -hmm. but like, you know, being a player gives me no opportunity to do things I want to do as a DM and being a DM gives me no opportunity to do things I want to do as a player. Mm -hmm. And both of those things are really, uh, fun for me. Um, so yes, to answer, yes, I'm uh, sorry. That, do good. I like being a DM? Yes. <laughs> is the answer to your question. Yeah. See, I, I don't, I'm about to wrap up this Curse of Strahd campaign that's been going on for definitely over a year. Uh, maybe close nice. to two at this point. Mm -hmm. 
feels like close to two. You've yeah, been talking about it for a it's while. Been going on for a long time, and I am just done. Like I, <laughs> I cannot wait for them to just fight Strahd and either die or kill him, but to be done. <laughs> Those are the only two endings. I, I, I have no desire to ever DM again. Like I think, I think the only reason I would ever DM again, I guess two reasons. One is if I found a group and that was like the only way to play. If like everybody was like, I mm-hmm. refuse and it's like I DM or we don't play, I guess I would pl- I would DM, I guess, but I wouldn't be super happy about it. Um, I could also see myself DMing for like a 100% brand new to D&D group, just to like teach them how to sure, play. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I would have no desire to like DM a regular group that like, 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 I wouldn't want to take over for you in our, in like group we played with. Like, I would not have mm-hmm. any fun doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm 100% somebody who just wants to be a player. I think one shots are sort of great for this thing. Um, I think <clears throat> there's a lot of there's advice people will give where it's like if you play with a regular group, people will say that as a player, you should want to take over for like doing a one shot for your group so your DM gets a break. And it's just mm-hmm. like, it's just talk to each other. Just do that before right. yeah, giving that, any advice. That's where I'm at too. And and my my other group has been pretty good about that. Um, I mean, I've been DMing, like I said, for probably close to two years now. But um, and I haven't really had a break because like it's in the middle of a campaign and like we don't want to do mm. something else. Yeah. Um, but before that happened, like I think everybody except for one of them has DM'd something, and it's the same size as the mm. group we played with. I think it's five plus DM. I'm pretty sure. Cool. Sorry, four plus DM, but everybody except for one of them has DM'd at uh, at least a one shot. Yeah, I think that's really cool because uh, the thing that I've learned a little bit about doing one shots is um, the first one shot that I wrote, I used like a three act structure because I'd never done a one shot before and I needed structure <laughs> to, to build <laughs> out of it. Um, and the three act structure uh, idea where I just had like, like i had primary topics and then had like subtopics that would like occur in each of those things or could occur um and as it turns out that's a long one shot like yeah like i i ran that two or three times and it took on average like six or seven hours to finish yeah and that's sort of what i've noticed with a lot of one shots too most one shots are not really one shots and yeah it's tough like 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 you said, you can finish it in like six or seven hours if you want to. Um, but but most one shots that I played, I either either haven't finished or we finished in like two to three sessions. Yeah. So that's that's another thing I'm hoping to like experiment with is like this idea or the one shot that I wrote uh, to play next week uh, is really sort of an experiment. And like, I feel like there's a lot more material I could flesh out with this idea in the Feywild and how the adventure could go. Um, and I need to abandon all of them. <laughs> I really, I need to like, I have one primary objective and I have a way to uh, like get that objective and like, that's it. Uh, so I don't know if the one shot's either going to be really boring or really short, but I'm trying, yeah, I'm sort of fun. like swinging the pendulum the other way to try and like, okay, you, j- this is it. And once you accomplish it, you're done because you know, I kind of want to wrap this up in three hours if we can, perhaps. Yeah. And, th- and that's the good part about a one-shot, too, is, like, if it's not great, you know, it's a one-shot. It's fine. It's not like you're yeah. committing to a year of this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Oh, it's so nice to talk about Dungeons and Dragons again. <laughs> oh, it's so nice. I've, I've been <laughs> maybe I've... I'll learn how to DM over the summer. We'll yeah, see. go for it. It's it's really easy. Anybody can do it. <laughs> if Dan can do it, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not in any games. I'm not DMing anything. <laughs> <laughs> my update I've, I've been racking my brains for more characters that would annoy alex oh god <laughs> <laughs> more back that was oh, more turtles that was it's like easily my oh, favorite man. character i've ever played <laughs> i've heard, i've already warned my wife that that plotty is coming back in other other games oh, and no. <laughs> credits plotty will return <laughs> 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 it's, uh, it hurts in I Spire Endgame. <laughs> I oh man, there's so much. Uh, you played a rogue with a base seventeen armor class at level one. That's what happened. Strength a strength based rogue. A, that was a you were. I didn't even know you were strength based. Honestly, yeah. Fuck me. But yeah, my strength <laughs> is higher than my dexterity. I didn't even know that because I never I think I might have asked for your scores initially and then I was like I can't use this information it's too much to keep track and I just <laughs> like threw that page away or something yeah um, I, I tried doing it at the beginning of my campaign with Strahd too is like asking my character for all the character sheets and like it, it's just so much to keep track of and I and I think that's something that you learn pretty quickly as a DM is like let your players do stuff like you don't have to do absolutely. Everything. Well, it scales also, right? Like based on how many players you have. If you have four or five players, that's like that's a lot of information. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like if you have like just a couple of players, maybe there's more opportunities to like, you know, again, it's not going to drive the story, I imagine. But um, mm -hmm. you know, just like throwing opportunities for like, oh, I see, there's this part of this person. At least this is how yeah. I'm thinking about it, having zero experience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I see this part of this person's backstory that's interesting. Maybe I'll give them a door, give them an opportunity right. to yep. explore that if they want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just looked it up, by the way. My uh, Pladit's dexterity was 14 and his strength was 17. Extraordinary. That's um, amazing. Wisdom was nine. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, well, was, that was, that was, was obvious. What, that was what made him fun nine to play. Nine wisdom. Like, honestly, that that's my key going into, like, every future character is pick one stat and just make them really bad at it and just have fun with it. <laughs> I mean, but... There's sort of like this flaw, I feel like, in that thinking, though, which is a wisdom of nine is a literally not that much lower than a That's fair, wisdom yeah. of average. Mm -hmm. But like, but I, I feel like players do this all the time because I think I did that, too, with my first character because my first character had maybe what maybe uh, he did have a negative two intelligence, mm -hmm. but that's still like ridiculous compared to the amounts that you want to role play that. Like right, just and, the and, negative is you know, very I, I used my background, of course, to um, uh, play up my lack of yeah. wisdom, right? Because like it wasn't, it wasn't Which totally that I lacked wisdom. It was just that the wisdom I had, uh, had literally nothing to do with the places we were in. Yeah, um, in a very specific set of skills. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was. That was it was a lot of fun to play, especially especially near the beginning of the campaign. Near the end of the campaign, I feel like he had learned too much about how society worked, and it was too very close to a normal character at that point. And I was like, "That's fine, it's whatever." But like, especially at the beginning, I had a lot of fun playing him. I find it interesting that you say that because in this campaign we're talking about, I literally did the opposite <laughs> in my character. 
I I chose to be a human. I tried to make a character as like well-rounded as possible because I wanted to see what that would be like mm-hmm. to play. Um and and I had fun doing it. Uh I thought it was I thought it was interesting. Uh I wouldn't I wouldn't want to do that all the time. I think yeah. there's a lot of merit to what you're talking about, but um I'm glad I tried it at least once. I I also like what you and uh Maria did with the with the pairing of of uh your characters. Um, I thought you two played really well with each other. Um, for you know, for obvious reasons. But um, <laughs> I I I want to try that with with my wife to come up with like sort of a a duo character. I think that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, it it helped also that it it was her first game ever, so she happened to have need a lot of help with mechanical stuff, mm-hmm. and I'm like. You know, it just kind of made sense to intertwine the stories yeah. as well, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 a fun experience, and it gives you more um footholds to you know get into the character and more things to role play, and you know, like I had my I had my own character objectives outside of you know what the party was doing and um my own obstacles against that, and it was it was it was it was challenging. It was challenging to make progress toward those objectives. Yeah, and I I think the reason I liked my character so much is it was. It might have been like the first, I don't want to say good character, but maybe the first good character <laughs> I've made. Like, um, because all of the other characters I've ever played were either like basically just me playing a wizard or something, usually a wizard, um, or I tried to do some sort of different personality type and usually wound up just like the character was kind of a jerk and I didn't like playing those. <laughs> So like this was the first character that was nothing like me. So like I actually had to role play and then also mm-hmm. what wasn't a terrible person. <laughs> so like right. I I think that is probably why I really enjoyed playing him. I think for me like if if I really wanted to push my own boundaries in creating a character, uh I really should make an evil character. Mm. Um because I don't currently have an idea of how that would interact with, you know, working with a party and working towards shared objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that that would be that would be an interesting challenge. Yeah, my I think I I really want to play a, a a really stupid character, like gen, like <laughs> genuinely stupid, like low intelligence, not low wisdom, <laughs> not like. Yeah, not like polite low wisdom, but like, like actually unintelligent. unintelligent. I feel like that could be <laughs> a lot of fun. Incredible. There's, it's an there's an interesting conversation around playing evil characters, because there are people that have rules in their mm-hmm. games against allowing evil characters, uh, player characters, and it's a it's a tough thing because, I mean, good and evil are just such. Ugh, words. concepts <laughs> yeah like like there's there's they're so relative that you know what does it even mean like uh i mean i played a character <laughs> yeah. that i called neutral because i figured if they're 10 years old and uh sheltered <laughs> that they don't really have a concept of good or evil um but they worshiped a deity that was clearly evil like very far on that end of the spectrum does that make the character evil uh maybe actually like that might be the definition of evil in D is that you are aligned with an evil god and that's all the definition is i think the most important takeaway i've found from these conversations about it 
um, is the description of alignment. First of all, it doesn't have to make or break anything. Alignment's uh, really almost as useful as the blonde, uh, blondes, uh, bonds, flaws, and uh, ideals traits mm-hmm. of your character, uh, which is apparently new to 5e. I didn't know that was a, only a 5e thing, but I think it's a great addition for role-playing. Uh, alignment f- sort of falls into that category. Um, but it's also different from those things because I've heard it described as descriptive, not prescriptive. Mm-hmm. So you don't choose an alignment and then force yourself into that category. You can play your character and then you can start understand, like as you're role-playing, you realize, oh, my character does kind of align with, you know, one one more lawful, chaotic, good or evil. Mm-hmm. You can figure that out along yeah. the way and it can change. Oh. Yeah, I've I, I've heard this argument and it's fine if you want to do it that way. <laughs> I think it's helpful to go the other way in some circumstances though sure because uh it, because if you take an alignment and you stick to it then it can um it forces you to make new decisions right it can encourage you it, it can force you to make new decisions and encourage you to make new decisions and especially if you're trying to do a character that's uh kind of a stretch for you mm-hmm. i think that that could be a useful mechanic again like anything else it has to be something that you know that 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 you want to go in and do so it's worth saying that like you know of course you don't want the alternative thing where somebody is like begrudgingly going along with their alignment because they chose it of course you don't want to do that but i'm more talking about it like i think it can be an interesting thing like a tool. like you know as right right and as like as a jumping up you know you talked about like the flaws and the bonds and whatever and it's like as a jumping off point to get to those things because within the flaws and because alignment is a simple choice and choosing your your bonds and your flaws there's a lot more flexibility there's a lot more options and the choices can be overwhelming Mm -hmm. so uh in in my conception of it having an alignment as sort of a guiding compass for that is um you know something that could be helpful and i i I also found it interesting alex that you said that the flaws and bonds and whatnot aren't super useful because i i found them very useful especially with plotty the character i played in our campaign uh at the beginning um (laughs) because i had i don't remember what i filed it under if it was like a flaw or whatever but um there was one aspect of the character that that didn't ever really play out like as the way i thought it was going to i wound up abandoning abandoning it completely um but it was a good jumping off point for like what this character would choose to do and originally i said um i am uncomfortable being in indoors like i i would Mm -hmm. i I feel uneasy when i can't see the sky and that's cool so that was why, you know, I slept, my character slept outside all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And that's why at the very beginning when we went to the tavern, I took the table outside. Um, <laughs> like it was, it was these, these, all these weird choices were stemming from that. It never really played out in the way that I anticipated it, which was be- just because we did wind up spending a lot of time inside places. And I was like, I don't want to exclude myself from what's going on. Uh, but, but it was, I did find it helpful uh, at least at least a little helpful in in planning things that I definitely wouldn't have come up with on my own otherwise. Yeah, uh, actually, I'll apologize and say I don't, I I don't I don't think if if I said that I apologize because I fully acknowledge that they are a valuable tool for role playing. They but 
to to what I may have been trying to say is that they do exist in the in this unique space that this is like the one part of the character sheet that you can play uh D and D without filling out at all. Sure. Um, but for the type and but especially for the type of game that I enjoy playing, which is you know role playing and storytelling focused, um, those tools really lend themselves to enabling those things even more. I yeah, I fully agree. And also that makes me realize that there is another reason I would DM is uh Ooh. if there was a group that was like we really don't enjoy role play, we just want a bunch of combat, I think I could get into that. Um because you that would that's DM that. Yeah, that cuz that that's really why I don't enjoy DMing is keeping track of NPCs, doing all of this role play like is very really? draining for me. Um Interesting. And it's it's not really something i enjoy from a dm standpoint i do i do like it as mm. a player um i would not want to just do combat and basically nothing else although i do enjoy combat um but as a dm i definitely prefer the the battles to the to the role playing that's interesting that makes perfect sense to me <laughs> that you said that like that tracks <laughs> oh, yeah I yeah. Let me play this game more like Slay the Spire. Yeah, <laughs> just get into the mechanics. That's all Dan is doing. He's just using his players as <laughs> new Slay the Spire enemies. He's actually just yeah, testing yeah, yeah. his own yeah, yeah. NPC builds. Yep. Um. I. It's just. It's. I'm sort of like hesitating here because I've never really thought about like what aspect of DMing I enjoy the most, and I feel like the only like really poopy answer that I can give <laughs> is that I just habitually really like uh, i don't know how to say this except to say when i i don't like going to shows uh like theater and being in the audience like i want to be on stage or i want to be on the sidelines like i i want to create the thing i don't want to sit there and watch you do the thing next to smelly people in uncomfortable chairs mm -hmm. like i would much rather be on the other side like enabling the thing and mm -hmm. you know i mean that's I've when I've done theater, I've done those roles before. I've <laughs> I've had roles where I uh, have like a leadership position, and I do that not because I needed to, I because that's where I like to be. Next to more smelly people, but yeah. they're <laughs> chairs. Right, right, right. At least in that situation, I'm the most smelly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't really know. I don't. I don't I don't think of like battling or NPC building as like two different things that I have a preference for one or the other, which honestly is weird that I don't think about that now. Now I'm just freaking myself out. Uh, I don't know. This is weird. I need to reflect. Yeah, I, I, I play just more D &D. For, yeah, right? for, for me, it's <laughs> just like I, I enjoy fleshing out a single character. I get very tired doing surface level stuff for 20 characters. <laughs> I as a DM. Maybe tell us if someone can relate to this, please explain it to me. As a DM, I really savored the moments where you as players took control of the story and like told me what's happening, what's like the mm -hmm. I really enjoyed those moments as a DM where I was able to like concede control and let you like tell your narrative and I, you know, would answer questions or contribute as necessary, or when you went somewhere I could then like take over but mm -hmm. the moments where players took control were really enjoyable for me 
I think as a player, I get bored a lot faster when like other characters are talking to the DM, like NPCs. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just, I, I think I have like this protagonist syndrome where it's just like, I want to be involved in everything constantly. <laughs> but I don't have that as a DM, probably because I'm the DM at that point that I have everything yeah. I want. <laughs> no, I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely would agree with you. Like as a, as a DM, the times where your players take over are definitely the most fun. I will say I I, I don't I, I don't uh, experience that same thing as a player where I get bored when other people are talking. Um, I, I I think usually that that's you know can be just as fun. the The only times I will say like in our campaign where I was like, uh, not wanting to pay attention while other players were doing something, were when it got uncomfortably close to to uh uh R rated stuff like yeah (laughs) um i was like yeah i'm i'm out i'm I'm gonna go get a snack (laughs) you don't want to hear me and paradigm shift having sex with each other you don't you don't want to watch that with your wife (laughs) it's not entertaining to you this is not entertaining <laughs> yeah, that, I, I will. I will say that I can do without. Um, but the rest oh, of it was good. <laughs> oh, that was so fun! Oh my god. <laughs> I man, I feel like I need to justify my decisions here. All of a sudden, um, you, have, you have feelings for shift. It's cool. No, no I mean, I, I wonder if true. this makes any sense to people who weren't. I know. There. I know. This is what I'm thinking about right now. We well, are in a show. I, I could. Give, I know. Are we still recording? I could give a little context pretty quickly, um, and also like sort of trying to kill two birds with one stone here. I those scenes when they started getting towards more like flirty and sexual encounters, they weren't planned they they weren't planned very far ahead they were reasonably reactive to situations where there were a couple of um it's, even, even they, the time you gave shift a dream so <laughs> so shifts shifts were the most uh planned out i'll say <laughs> because shift because shift is a shift was a warlock and he had a patron um who whose whole identity is around like kidnapping men and having sex with them and not their whole identity but like that was like a big aspect of their patron um who is uh veronestra on who i believe is is on the seely court in the feywild and is a uh forgotten realms entity um and i remember just trying I'm, i'm i was always trying to find like ways to push against people's like character traits and things like that and for Kosif's character, I think the thing that I latched onto was like you had the thing that was most easily I was most easily to, uh, able to latch onto was your uh, relationship with Sprocket. Um, as like pr- like it was never said that it was a romantic relationship, but it was oh hinted God. at enough. Quick, quick, quick side comment. <laughs> my my wife and I we spent so much time time trying to figure out what Kosev and Sprocket were about. It was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> we were like, are they together? I'm Is glad... it like a father daughter thing? Like we, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, I'm glad the intrigue was uh, enjoyable. Um, I'll say that on my end, I I do wish that there was more of a story that we developed, and I do wish that we got to explain it more 
And I feel like that's my current challenge when being a player is finding mm-hmm. uh, opportunities to express that kind of thing in the game without like shoehorning it in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I so, feel like, similarly about yeah. that. It's it's not easy to tell your backstory unless you're like explicitly given an opportunity to. Like I do, I I don't know. Maybe somebody who's listening can can let us know good tips for that or something. But like, yeah, like I would love to know more about how people tell their characters' stories without like, and maybe maybe that's all it is. Maybe all it is is talking to your DM and just being like, hey, I want to tell my character's story. Can we do X Y Z? Um, but if there's other ways, I would definitely be interested in in hearing about that. Um, being 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 someone who researches this a lot, um. <laughs> Honestly, the only thing that I can think of that is like a surefire way to weave your like backstory into the campaign um, is like just communicating it to the DM. Um, I mean, maybe there's like an aspect of it, like, you know, you have a certain backstory that you want to keep secret um, and like have a big reveal. Um, And I think at least that's how I used to think about it. Um, But I've stopped trying to keep secrets from the dm because the dm is the one that will be able to like enable those things right um i, I would agree with that don't don't seek a key from your dm like that's I, yeah. I don't i don't see how that can be productive um because like i wasn't really aware of the details of uh sprockets or kosif's uh backstory it was on the sheets that we sent you that you threw out but you know um <laughs> as you uh, really that doesn't admitted. sound right that doesn't sound right at all that doesn't sound like me. Um, well no we never sat down and like had a conversation um, gotcha yeah it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a big enough deal i feel like to well well the, the point that i was trying to make originally was um with the information that i did have uh that's why i started having the idea to start being flirtatious with Kosif with NPCs because I wanted to create a tension that may trigger a reaction that would like start revealing some of like, Oh, you know, right. depending on whether he says yes or no, that'll reveal information either way. Right. Um, it was an obstacle. And see that, you know, that aspect with... I found hilarious by the way, that, that <laughs> yeah, one didn't make me <laughs> uncomfortable at all because it, at that point I just felt like it was Tony reacting to it and it was like, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is what I came here to see. <laughs> yeah. No, su- surprisingly it, it was the character's reaction. No, I'm yeah, sure it, it was, but just... it was very funny. <laughs> it was, it yeah. was really convenient for me. Uh, to be able to inject that into uh, sort of playing with your character, Kosif, because it tied so easily into what um, Paradigm's character was, Nix's character, right? Um, being have this like very flirtatious character and a very flirtatious um, patron. Now, I, I will say, like, I I guess I it's a sort of a point for me to take as well, where I react very well to like conversations. Um, and I talked to Paradigm a lot over like voice chat about his character and his patron, and it's it's a I, it's a it's a problem that I've heard about warlocks is that warlocks also tends to get like preferential treatment because their whole character is built around like mm-hmm. you were chosen specially by a god. It's like well, all right, that's a, that is already more to work with than I am a fighter. Like it's right. it's completely not fair. But also, it's just right. like Paradigm was also the person that uh, really started putting the ideas in my head of like what D and D was capable of, and we talked to, 
lot even before I started DMing about what is possible. Um, so I feel like I owe him a shout out to Paradigm Shift. Check him out at <laughs> twitch.tv slash magic podcasters. Um, I feel like I owe him a lot of like my ideas and um, uh, building those up. So uh, like those conversations also just happened because we had fun talking about them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then it just comes down to a time thing. And that's why I'm like, that's why personally I'm trying to focus on like what I can do as a player. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not like what I want from the you know, from the DM or anything like that. Um, because I'm trying to focus on solutions that I can do within the, within the game session, you know, like, yeah, sure. Like the characters might be more well-developed if I spent hours outside of the game time working on them, but that's not something that I have the, right. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, I was going to say, I don't have the time. It's, just, it's like, I, I don't really have the level of interest to, you know, spend that time doing that. So, um, you know, I'm more focused on like, what are solutions that I can work on, like while I'm spending the time doing this thing without giving myself a ton of homework. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I would also say, though, that like the way that it was handled for for your character, Kosif and uh, Maria's uh, character, Sprocket, um, I I liked it because like you said, it it kind of had this intrigue like that. I didn't know what what your relationship was and so like we were we were wondering about that like in the real world we were wondering about that um and it made us like interested in your backstory in a way of that like if it had been laid out of like oh yeah we're just friends Uh, okay fine or we're together okay fine it's over like that's it but like this way we were wondering and that 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 was a lot of fun for us yeah i was uh, yeah that's and that's that's true And and i think also like because because you made us wonder too. It wasn't. It wasn't just like there was a lack of information. It was like the way that you two played the characters. Like it was. It was. It was almost sort of like a will they, won't they situation. Um, but like, <laughs> it, it, like it, it wasn't. It wasn't like you two were just hanging out together and we were like, what's their deal? It was like like you two actually played off each other really well. Right. And 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 in the and, and in a couple of times where the going got tough. Uh, I think you saw where Kosef's true values. Yeah, were. yeah, I thought that was really good too. And you made you made some very very aligned with the tough party. choices, <laughs> <laughs> right? And which is why which is why I find neutral characters interesting. Mm-hmm. Which is why for the past two characters, I've I've uh, thought about things along neutral lines because I I think it's uh, I I've, I think it's interesting and I've had fun you know having these. Um, sort of uh like like internal or selfish values mm. and 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 how much license that that gives you as a player i would i was kind of uh see i was kind of wondering as i went through the campaign if anyone was just going to confront us at some point and <laughs> ask like so what's the deal and that never actually happened so True. uh so 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 the so the intrigue uh remains and that's yeah. that's also i mean i think then that happens. just thinking about our characters i have like i think shift would have been the only one who could have done that because obviously you and you and maria are out like you know what the deal is um pladit doesn't care like (laughs) (laughs) um like i was very interested but pladit could not have cared less and he probably didn't even notice he was like oh they're just they're they're hanging out they're buddies whatever um hildegard my wife's character she I, i mean she doesn't she didn't seem like the the gossipy type she didn't and certainly not the confrontational mm-hmm. type i don't think um so i i couldn't picture anybody but but shift's character actually confronting you about yeah, that it's interesting i i do i do got to i do got to do the thing and say i asked 
I <laughs> did ask as Veronestra at one point uh, at the end of your true. encounter with her uh, because you rejected her and Veronestra's response was like, mm, I don't get rejected unless there's a reason. And she, I think she straight up asked like, who is it? Like, who's the other, like, who's the other one that uh, is making you get away with this? Um, and, you know, probably for very, uh, understandable reasons you were not willing to give up information uh to this person who was reasonably manipulative of you in that situation um and we uh i couldn't do it i couldn't get it out of you i tried right <laughs> right because you are not a party member i mean yep. th th that's kind of my point is that like i think i think the response would have been different if it were one of my party members who was asking me versus this I don't want to say random because I, I knew who they were, but like this, this deity who comes in, who I don't know them. Mm -hmm. They're obviously, <laughs> they don't have my best interest in mind. Like I have no reason to trust them. Whereas I have a lot of reason to trust the people in my party. So which uh, NPC would you have trusted to tell? Hmm. I, have to I don't think know if I would have. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I would have trusted a lot of NPCs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of antagonism from me. I think that just speaks to me as a person, mostly. I think I just want to take credit for that. <laughs> Rose from Toblin's. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Toblin was good. Ruby was Ruby was a good character. Ruby, too, not I Rose. Think. Sorry. Yeah, Ruby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ruby was Ruby was reasonable. She was just cool. She was just like you know the she was the person like Toblin's the guy who had his name on the brand, but Ruby was really the one who was like in charge of the place and had a handle on things. Right. She knew how the fridge worked. Right, exactly. She she's responsible, oh my god, for all the electronics in the campaign. God, what a that was such a fun thing, like flavor thing to add to this campaign all throughout. Yeah, I really liked that. Because it was just so wild, it was so relevant to like our interests. Um, and it was so like so starkly noticeable in the Forgotten Realms setting mm -hmm. that like just having literal radios tvs and electronics is like such an outstanding thing um that i didn't really i thought about trying to flesh out the backstory of why there were electronics um but i could i couldn't quite get that far it's like it's not really a nut i was able to crack um in the amount of time i had and also like the amount of time i had to write the story also the amount of time we had to play the campaign Mm -hmm. um, but it's a cool idea and one that maybe I would yeah. like to revisit in the future. Yeah, I think that with the amount of time we had, that was a level of detail beyond what we could have explored. That's understandable. So just leave it to the imaginations. <laughs> that was good, though. I enjoyed. I hope. I hope. I we 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 talked a little bit after the campaign about feedback. Um, it has been a couple of weeks. I don't know. I I think everyone enjoyed it. I haven't talked to uh Sydney or Maria about it at all, but um. Yeah, as far as be, I mean, I, yeah, I don't. Did you guys have fun? I don't know. It's my first time DMing. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, th I think that's, I think that's basically what this, uh, what this chapter has turned into. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <it's good. laughs> feedback on our latest DM campaign. I, I, the the only criticism that Sydney and I have really was the the last battle we didn't love. Um, it okay. I, I forget why because it's we're so far removed from it right now, but um. I I I mean I I think I felt kind of useless if I'm remembering correctly like I didn't feel like mm. I could do a whole lot, um, but that was like one battle out of the entire campaign. Like I thought the re the rest of the campaign was was really really good. 
Yeah, that was a tough battle to run. And it it, it was tough for a few reasons. Um, I It's not in the book, <laughs> for <laughs> one thing. Um, it was one that I added later. And uh, I was playing this huge balancing act of like, I don't know how de- I didn't know how deadly I wanted that battle to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sort of undecided on that even in the moment. So there was some hesitancy there. Um, and, and this, and the setting was, and the setting was strange, like fighting a dragon's a weird sort of encounter, um, because they fly and flying is really powerful. And honestly, I don't really know how people deal with flying enemies in general. Well, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was what I was concerned about before we right. went into mm-hmm. the fight. I was trying to come up with some kind of way that, like, I was like, I don't see how we get from A to B with our abilities mm. and being right. able to slay a dragon. And so I was trying to bring my Horizon Forbidden West <laughs> mechanics into the game, which didn't, which 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 didn't really work out. But yeah, I I definitely felt that as a player. I was like going into this, I'm like, I don't feel like we have a strategy mm-hmm. here. But I knew that I was gonna be generous as far as like I'm not gonna have the dragon just fly above you a hundred feet the entire time and wait for its breath weapon to recharge. Like I knew I wasn't gonna do that. Mm-hmm. Although there was a point where you all ran inside in cover and the dragon's just sitting there like, I can't reach any of you. So the dragon was like, well, f*** you. I am going to leave and wait for my breath yeah. weapon to recharge. Like, fuck this. This sucks. <laughs> um, and I, th- yeah, and I think tough. that's like the, yeah. I think that's the part of the battle that like I sort of, I'll use the word regret the most. Like when you tell me uh, it wasn't as uh, engaging, like that's the thing that I remember. And there's, again, there's a lot of resources on how to run encounters. Uh, Matthew Colville, actually has a whole book now about not only new monsters, but how to run uh, monsters, especially boss monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's de- designed a whole new mechanic. I think it's called v- uh, Villain Actions. Hmm. Um, and it's not quite intuitive to me right off the bat. A lot of people have a lot of positive feedback about it, but his ideas are definitely like very uh, uh, endearing like or exciting. Mm-hmm. So it's still something I'm learning about. I'll have to about. check that out. Yeah, 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 I would recommend it. I think it's uh, his book is called Flea Mortals. There's links and stuff and videos. You know, check the thing. <laughs> you know, I I do want to, as as much as we love talking about D and D because it is easy common ground for us. Uh, I do want to talk about Monster Hunter World, which you played some of recently, Alex, and I feel like is at least tangentially connected to this um it's, it's an, what did you think of it what is that game like um do you feel like you learned anything are you going to go back to it on your own is well, it primarily a co-op experience i have so many questions right. yeah, yeah yeah, no. those are <laughs> and those are good questions i want to before i answer that i want to ask you guys what do you guys know about monster hunter either monster hunter world the game or monster hunter the series uh i played I didn't know it was a series i, I did know it was a series <laughs> i played monster hunter world for like it was one of those games where i played for like 30 to 60 minutes and then get not ever again. Yeah, I went into Monster Underworld. I've had sort of a idea of what I expected from the game, which was, oh, I, this game's going to be really fun after I've spent 30 hours learning how to play it. Mm. Mm. This again. Final Fantasy effect. <laughs> My expectations were both uh, met and um, uh, not because... The game is very, how do I describe? It's actually not very, 
it's not that I expected it to be linear. What I didn't mm. expect it to be was this very MMO uh, feeling um, raid style game. Like it seems like the entire game takes place. Um, you have like a hub world where you go to the shop, you go to the armorer for equipment and you have your quest giver. And there's also occasionally like, I don't know, festivals. Um, but besides like walking around that hub world, you accept the quest and that's, and the quests are often some variation of like, you have one hour and you have to go kill or trap a big monster. And it, and it feels like an MMO, uh, which all you're doing is just like going out to fight a monster with like, there's very little details um, about like the worlds that you're living in. There is a plot that I'm obviously ignoring, um, but the plot really is just like, it feels like the plot in Hyrule Warriors or any Dynasty Warriors, which is we're just going to try and explain why you need to spend one hour fighting a thousand enemies. And that's <laughs> like the only reason the plot exists. Um. So that's the thing that I wasn't expecting from the game. And, you know, that comes with pros and cons. I think the pros of it is, like I had mentioned earlier, um, Hyrule Warriors is a game that I loved playing co-op in. Um, so similarly, this experience, uh, having played it on stream recently, um, is an enjoyable co-op experience. Um, I played it solo a little bit uh, with uh, Melee Pop, who is... Uh, familiar with the game and was able to walk me through a lot of how the game works because I did not want to read or sit through any tutorials. Like I really did not want to do that. Um, so it was helpful having someone uh, guide me through that while I played solo. But now that I actually have an idea of how to play the game, um, now we can play co-op and it's, um, I'm still missing a lot of information about how the game works. Uh, there's a weapon that is just like a giant flute, but it's like a drum. It's just a, it's just a giant <laughs> hammer, but it plays music also. Um, and the idea of that weapon seems super interesting to me because you can uh, use different uh, a attack combos to play different songs that have different bard-like effects that improve um, your party and your stats and like speed and things like that. Um, which conceptually sounds super cool. I have no idea how it works. I just, I do hmm. not understand. It's hard to, it's hard to really see or feel the impact of those stat improvements, um, which makes it feel like it's a very underpowered weapon class uh, because it doesn't do a yeah, lot of maybe. damage on its own uh, compared to other weapon classes. Um, so again, I'm just in this position where I feel like I just need to spend a lot more time with the game. Uh, or I could just switch to like dual blades or hammers and just hit things a lot and it looks really cool um, and it's a lot of spamming attack buttons uh, until you win the game. And I don't know if there'll be more ways to fight that I'll discover. Uh, there was definitely something I learned in my last hour of gameplay uh, where you can use like ballistas and cannons and things like that. So that was a cool addition. Um but yeah, I don't know how much new things there will be or if it's just a button masher with co-op play. Um, but it's definitely a game that I am enjoying because it is a co-op game. Um, and I do enjoy, like, co I, I have a history of enjoying co-op button mashers. Maybe that's why I didn't like it because I definitely didn't play it co in co-op. I played it single player. So maybe I'd like it better if I tried co-op. I don't know. Probably not because I'm not. I don't have a history of like co liking co-op games. 
like we've spoke about like either last episode or the one before that like it's it's good for like a social thing where like that's the way i hang out with some of my friends mm-hmm. but you know it's the same problem i have with board games right like i don't want a game where i can only play when that other person is is around or that i maybe maybe not only play but only enjoy when somebody else is there to play it with me yeah like that's the thing as you're describing this uh, i haven't played this game but <clears throat> as you're describing this what i'm thinking about is like you know this is this sounds to me like one of these games that would be a fun backdrop for social interaction you know and that would be like the primary benefit here like especially if there's like if there's not a lot of character if if the story is really superfluous like um you know this is a game that you're doing mostly mechanically and you're just going in your you're smashing monsters and you know you get to do that with their friends like that's that's a fun thing but like can the game also stand on its own i don't know you know so earlier in the episode you talked about um playing hyrule warriors you know how Mm -hmm. do you uh how would this like compare this experience compared yeah. to the Hyrule Warriors experience. Well, it's especially uh, to respond directly to your thoughts on the game as a backdrop to a social experience. For me, the Dynasty Warriors games fit that mold a lot more effectively because I believe those games are much simpler up front. Got it. Um, they're yeah. a lot more clear. There's a lot less tutorialization necessary because they're much simpler nintendo <laughs> no it's it, absolutely it's well dynasty warriors isn't nintendo only hyrule Warriors. Is, mm, talk mm. about history of dinosaur dynasty warriors never because it's not that Another interesting <laughs> um but right. uh monster hunter is weird because i think as as long as i'm playing it on easy mode i can button mash my way to victory but i'm under the impression that it there is a very high potential skill and knowledge ceiling in this game where if you can learn the impact of your stats and all of your uh combos and also like how to hunt the different monsters because actually one of the really cool things about the games is that the monsters have very noticeably different personalities uh some of them are aggressive towards you when you meet them uh some of them attack differently move differently of different uh speeds uh one of my favorite monsters that i fought uh never attacked like with its claws or tail it would always like pick up a rock out of the ground and like try and chase you with our, just a giant rock and hit you with it, which is really funny. Um, and I enjoyed that. Um, so there's a lot of different uh, ways to inter- uh, interact in the combat with, because of all the different monsters, personalities. Um, and that's the part of the game that I'm sort of like uh, looking up to as I like I don't I can't do any of that. I don't know nearly enough about how to play this game that I feel like I could get everything I want out of this game. Yeah. For now it can function as like the simpler button mashy co-op social experience, but strictly that, I think Dynasty Warriors does a better job. But right. there is a ceiling on Monster Hunter where it can be more nitty-gritty, but as it becomes more nitty-gritty, it becomes less of a backdrop to a social experience. Right. You can play it really actively and you can really get into it and get nerdy about it. But yes. um then it's then it's a different experience you're having. You know, because we were talking about these and I'm like, you know, like uh, you know, something that you can just like button mash and like get through and have fun, but like also you want to play it as uh like you want to be able to play it as a one player experience. And the immediate thought I had was, well, I could just go play Hades. 
right? Because that's how I <laughs> feel about that game. You know, one player game that I could that I could do all of those things. Now, Hades not a co op game, but you know, the the the, the Hyrule Warriors series is like, or, or like the game is interesting because it's like maybe that's sort of a like a different but like co op. Yeah. Um, version of that. So, you know, yeah, I feel like we, we, we've already solved this problem. Mm. We have other games. No, no, it's true. I think they do all serve these different purposes. Um, Hades is sort of just this like exceedingly good game where not only can it have this very casual feel, um, Hades also has like an incredible skill ceiling. Um, yeah. so, uh, the only thing that monster hunter that I would say, uh, has over Hades is the co-op aspect. Uh, but otherwise, right. Hades is a clean game, and Monster Hunter is not a clean game. Monster Hunter is kind of weird. Mm. Like, it taught me how to move after ten hours of gameplay. It just what? like, <laughs> by the way, W A S D to move, and I'm like, oh my god, that was weird. That was weird. I gotta, just, you know, there's things like that. Like, why is the this tutorial popping up? Why does this menu overlay on this menu when I'm trying to do this thing? It's like it's it's sort of not a very polished uh game. Uh, which I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. I thought it would be. Uh, I don't really know why. Uh, but yeah, uh, that that was sort of a weird aspect of it. Um, but I think maybe a, a explanation for that is like there is a lot going on in the game. Like there are a lot of moving parts, um, even if it is just like you're just hunting one monster and that's like the whole description of the game. But the ways you can do that, like there's boxes and inventories, different equipment slots and uh, crafting and there's uh, I, and all things I have no idea about how to do ten hours into this game. Right. Yeah. Nobody is saying that it would be an easy game to balance, but <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think it is. Yeah. I think I think more and more that's how I'm differentiating between whether or not I like a game. Like I I can't Ooh. stand when there is just so much going on that I don't know how to do stuff or like it seems daunting like to learn everything. I I want a game that is. I don't simple is not necessarily the right word. Maybe intuitive is a better word, but like I definitely want a game where like it's not overwhelming to look at all the things. And I think this is where um you know sort of the idea of only playing a game for 30 minutes before passing judgment comes into play mm -hmm. because Hades is a game that has a amazingly <laughs> high skill ceiling and a lot of different aspects to it. Mm -hmm. but I would be comfortable introducing anyone to that game because the rate at which it introduces yeah. things also got a very low floor. Oh yeah. It's yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I don't necessarily like, I don't want to make it sound like the game has to be easy for me to like it. I don't mind it hard. I don't mind a challenge. No, but it does need to be like accessible. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to is yeah. like, how quickly do I understand at least the basics of what I'm supposed to be doing? And if I think if it's going to get really complicated, I would appreciate not having all of that shoved in my face at the beginning, right? Like, don't mm -hmm. show me a million different menus and then just be like, yeah, you'll figure it out or we'll teach you how to do it later. Like, if you want to introduce stuff, I would definitely like being introduced to it, like when it's needed and then taught how to use it at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Girlfriend Reviews actually has a really uh, empathetic review of Monster Hunter World where uh shelby um talks about how she enjoys that game very much um even though she's not as into nitty gritty gameplay as much as her boyfriend uh is or may have been um 
and it's still a game but because it's a co-op game that they were both able to enjoy and she was able to make progress because you know her boyfriend was uh sort of got her into the game was help, help able to help her carry along eventually it became a game that she really enjoyed and learned a lot about um to the point where like she talked about she uses the weapon that is the instrument mm-hmm. and that's the weapon that's like at seems way too complicated for me i can't even imagine learning how to use that um but a a one really good point that uh girlfriend reviews makes in their video is uh they don't really market the the cute animal aspect of this game which is like you have a cat (laughs) you start with a cat and you can dress up your cat and your cat helps you fight and your cat is kind of badass at fighting and in addition to <laughs> adorable cats that you can dress up, there's also just like pigs that you can hang out with that are adorable <laughs> and find items for you in the main hub world. So, you know, uh, one of uh, the things she says is, if you had told me those were parts of the game, I would have played this game way sooner. It's, it's important stuff. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about how Red Dead Redemption 2 is a horse game, but it's there. If you just want to <laughs> hang out and like get a cool horse and go riding, it's that's you can do that. You don't play Papers, Please for the puzzle. You play it <laughs> for, for Georgie. Georgie. <laughs> <laughs>